0: And let's take our Bibles and go to Second Peter, Second Peter chapter 1. It's a privilege to be able to read through and preach through, verse by verse, the Word of God. All Scripture is, by, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And this is how we are made workmen that are able to rightly divide the Word of Truth. We've been looking at Second Peter, dealing with persevering in hope, and as we've gotten through the first few verses, uh, we've gotten some some uh, foundation laid here in this past, in these passages. Last week I intended to get through more than I did, so we'll pick up where we left off last week, and hopefully get a couple of more of these uh, virtues in this morning. Second Peter chapter one deals with uh, the 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 virtues. Listed out in verse 6, and, and uh, that's where we're going to spend some time here. Giving all diligence to add to our faith. And several various uh, words, virtues are given to us. Uh, in review, chapter 1 helps us to have a focus on experiencing Jesus, uh, beginning with salvation, and then uh, from there, uh, knowing him on a deeper level, a deeper walk with Jesus. And then, as we saw last week, we got into uh, a, 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 the, the appropriation of his divine virtues. And then chapter 2 deals with exposing counterfeits, and chapter 3, expecting his return. We're going to get to those, Lord willing, in the future, but we will pick up where we did last week. Let's go back and read, uh, again, uh, starting in verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us to the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I trust that if you have not obtained salvation, that even today you would inquire about that matter and put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where this whole process of growing in the grace of God begins. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you, And as I mentioned before, this is who we are in Christ. This is what we have in Christ. All the peace, all the power, all the provisions, the precious promises, uh, partakers of the divine nature. And yet, there is something that we have to do. There is a responsibility on our part. And verse 5 picks that up. We cannot just be passive and say, thank the Lord for saving my soul. And now we'll just sit back and see what happens. No, he says that we should diligently add to this faith, the faith that was obtained, that he spoke of in verse 1. Verse 5, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity, for if these things be in you and abound, they make that ye shall never be barren nor are unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot of lists in the Bible like this. In, in Galatians 5, you have the fruit of the Spirit. Here in this passage, it sounds very much like that other list. And uh, though the Spirit himself is not mentioned explicitly, I believe implicitly, he is very much in this passage uh, and you cannot have these virtues without the Holy Spirit. There's another list very much like this in Romans chapter 5. In Romans 5, he says, Not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope and hope maketh not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. In other words, there are things that are added. Uh, We're saved, and then we begin to grow. And we go through things. We go through experiences that push us to God. As we push to God, we get into his word. As we learn his word, he gives us wisdom. He teaches us how to walk in his ways and to know him. And here in this passage, we have the same idea. Beside all this, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, Last week, we dealt with just that first one, virtue. And what is this? It is uh, that word in the Greek, called, it's called arete, not that you care about Greek, but it's, it's, uh, it's a word that has to do with excellence, but not just be excellent for excellence' sake. I think sometimes there's a lot of pride in that and vanity in that. It's the excellence that is attributed to to one that fulfills his purpose. The fulfillment of a thing to fulfill one's purpose or cultivating a God mandated purpose to develop and display the excellencies of Christ, the character of Christ. Or as Brother Jim Berg says, also he says, virtue is capturing the heart for Christ. You know, our heart wants to go here and there and everywhere. The heart has a mind of its own. And the heart loves to dream and aspire, and there's all kinds of ambitions that the heart has, and our heart can sometimes be a roller coaster, up one day, down the next, and we have to capture our heart for Christ, and do what He has called us to do, and accomplish diligently His eternal purposes. And it's only when we capture our heart for that God-intended purpose that we are Virtuous, excellent, this excellence of fulfilling what God has called us to do. As I mentioned before, arete, or this virtue, or excellence, is the idea of a boat that floats well, or a knife that cuts well. Uh, A a dull knife is not this word. There's no virtue in that. A dull, or a, a, a boat that doesn't float is not excellent. It is only when we do what God's called us to do that we have this virtue. Add to your faith the excellence of fulfilling your God-given purpose. Capture your heart for Christ and his purpose. We looked at Romans 12, 1 and 2 last week about giving our lives as a sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. That's the beginning of this word. We're here for one reason, to wholeheartedly commit ourselves to doing his purpose. We come now to the second in this list. Knowledge. Knowledge. Virtue, or capturing the heart for Christ, leads naturally to knowledge or informing the heart about Christ. And as I mentioned before, uh, these these virtues that we're going to talk about here, they are, we are developing them simultaneously, yet there is a sequence to them. One grows out of the other and becomes the foundation for the next. Add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. So knowledge is what? Knowledge is informing the heart about Christ. It is on a practical level. Not just what would Jesus do. Everybody remember those those uh, bracelets, the what-would-Jesus-do bracelets and and so forth. But not not just what Jesus would do, but who Jesus is and how he acts and how he thinks and how he loves. It's broader than than just what he would do. It's, It's knowing him. This knowledge that we see mentioned several times in this first chapter, in our English... We look at that word knowledge and that's all we see is that word knowledge but in the greek there are a couple of different words for knowledge that are in this passage with translation there's nuances and 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 sometimes it can be hard to bring all the nuances from one translation to the other and so forth and uh, when you look at the greek you'll see two different words they both mean knowledge one is epikonosco and one is gnosko or we'll just call it knowledge versus knowledge all right Uh, But there are two different kinds of knowledge. Epikinosko, uh, the first knowledge, deals with the full experiential knowledge. And every instance in chapter 1 where you see the word knowledge, it's this full experiential knowledge except for the word knowledge as it applies in this list, these virtues. That's the second. That's ginosko. And this deals with the practical wisdom The word here suggests the practical knowledge or discernment, uh, the one who is able to handle life successfully with with wisdom. Uh, You've got full knowledge, which is the result of much interaction with Christ through the knowledge or gnosco of his person, work, and ways. So in other words, um, the more we have knowledge of his person, his work and his ways the more you're going to have the experience the experiential knowledge remember we said chapter one is about experiencing Jesus that's where I got that uh, that point because of this word it's this knowledge and it's full experiential uh, essence but you can't have the experience without just getting to know the person Some people look for firecrackers and chills and goosebumps and all kinds of experiential things, uh, but they will not just get down to the brass tacks of finding out who Jesus is through his word. And that's where this comes. That's where we have to begin. He says, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. Get to know Jesus we capture our heart for Christ, which leads naturally into knowledge or informing the heart about Christ on a practical, everyday level. Wisdom and skill are necessary to effectiveness in the Christian life. The Scripture is sufficient for every need. I hope we know this. The Scripture is sufficient for every need But you know, along with the Scriptures, God commands us to be skillful in our handling of it. You know, we could say food, good food, healthy food, is is going to help nourish your body. But it does help if you have some skill handling that food. Not every two-year-old does. We've got videos and pictures of our kids with food uh, when they're one years old we give them the birthday cake and oh man you know uh, as they grow hopefully they get some more skills some more table manners some more uh, equipping there right uh, you could say all you want that the word of god is sufficient but you have to be able to handle it skillfully some people handle it oh i would say uh, carelessly Some people handle it deceitfully. Uh, Some people don't handle it at all. They just ignore it. And all of this nourishment, everything that you need that can give you an answer for every question in life, uh, sits idly by. The scripture is sufficient for every need, but if handled unskillfully, the results can be catastrophic. Practical knowledge is of great use in being able to apply the Scripture to various areas of our life effectively. There's some folks who don't lack uh, uh, um, access to the Word of God, but they lack application from the Word of God. Experiential knowledge is great, that's in this passage but the practical knowledge and the skill and wisdom makes it useful. So we must be diligent to know Christ and how that knowledge should impact our daily lives and the choices that we make. To get to know Him, and you're going to get to know Him through His Word. He is the living Word, and He has given us His preserved Word that we might know Him. You know, there's times where I have discovered... That a certain celebrity comes out that they are a Christian. You've probably seen things online, maybe a YouTube interview. And, uh, you know, I I saw a couple of YouTube videos that uh, just strung together a bunch of instances where Hollywood celebrities or music stars or various celebrities came out in an interview and said, yes, I'm a Christian. I know the Lord Jesus, that he's my savior and so forth. And I have found several of several of those to be a real head scratcher. Now I don't want to judge anyone's salvation. Uh, That's between them and the Lord. And I'm glad that I am not charged with that. I don't have to figure out is he saved, is she saved? Who's really saved in here? That's not my job. My job is to preach the word of God and to point people to the scriptures and let the Holy Spirit do the convicting and he knows whose are his, and he knows what to do with it from there. And I will counsel people and ask questions and so forth, but I don't declare anybody saved, and I don't declare anybody unsaved. But when I'm listening to these Christian, supposed Christian celebrities, there are oftentimes uh, question marks in my mind. It's just puzzling because uh, you say, okay, that's interesting. You say you're a Christian, but there's nothing about who you are as a person That speaks of Christ there's nothing about what you do or what you produce that speaks of Christ Uh, there's one uh, I would love to sit down with this guy I'm not going to say his name (laughs) because it's not appropriate but there's a, a, a movie star and he is very outspoken for the Lord I've seen multiple videos of him online of him speaking out for the Lord and yet, his content that he produces is absolute garbage. And I, 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 I think, okay, I don't, I don't know his heart. I don't know if he's saved or lost. But everything in this book is against everything that he's doing. So what is the disconnect here? Well, I would say this. It is possible... For a man to produce a son that is then taken away, raised by somebody else, you know, never the twain shall meet, and uh, this son knows very little of his father and learns next to nothing from his father and just flounders along and Every now and then he learns bits and pieces about his father and that helps him out and, and that's, that's helpful in his, in his growth and so forth, but he just flounders. I suppose it is possible that someone could be saved and they just have learned next to nothing about their Savior. I also believe it's possible that many of these folks are misled, misguided. They're not saved and there is no Holy Spirit in them producing any fruit. Again, that's something that God will have to help each of them on to to discern that in their journey. But folks, the bottom line is this. If we know Jesus with this gnosco, practical wisdom, that we know his person, his work, and his ways, and we know Jesus doesn't think like this, Jesus doesn't talk like this, Jesus said in Matthew 5 6 & 7 a few very specific points about what I should say where I should go uh, as a Christian um, what kind of a testimony I should have what brings honor to him what does not as a Christian do we know our Savior and it is sad to me I do believe that there probably are many many Christians who have grown a little bit here and a little bit there, but they're very much stuck in immaturity. And no one has told them much about Jesus. They don't know much of his word. They've not fed on his word. You know, we we talk about reading the Bible and how every Christian should read the Bible and pray. But I think sometimes we do that just because this is the right thing to do. And, and it's almost like something that you just check. But folks, it's not just about reading the Bible. It's about getting to know Him. Think of it as a personal letter. Your personal letter every morning that you can't wait to open up. And you get down to your chair and, and it's quiet. And you've got a letter from your Savior. And you've got half an hour before work. And you've got... 20 minutes before the kids get up or whatever. And you say, I'm going to open up this letter and I'm going to read it. And I'm going to think about it. Oh, what did he mean by that? Let me think about that. That sounds like something else he said in another letter. And you compare it with other letters. You look at this, you look at that. Oh, that's what he means, I get it. And you read that, you underline that. Some of it encourages you so much, you memorize it. Because I'm going to take that one with me today. That's important. And you read through this, and it's not a box that you checked. It's not just something that you do because it's what you're supposed to do. There's an actual relationship going on there, and you're learning more of this person. That's supposed to be how it is, folks. I think for some of us and for, for some maybe celebrities, it is, it's just uh, something you say, oh, I believe in Jesus, you know, for for some folks, uh, you know, I, again, I'm not trying to judge everybody, but um, it's it's sometimes the athletes. You know, the athletes will score a touchdown, and, and all glory to God. I, okay, I, I trust so, I hope so. Uh, but what else are we reading about in the news? All glory to God. Nobody's perfect. No one's going to be sinlessly perfect till we reach heaven. But I believe. Our knowledge of him should inform who we are, what we say, how we live, our testimonies, because we are to be ambassadors. Ambassadors for the King of Kings. And unfortunately, sometimes people come out that they're a Christian, and the, the response is basically, wow, I never would have known. <laughs> and that's not a good thing. But sometimes us Christians will talk about it like that. Hey, did you know that so and so came out online as a Christian? Isn't that cool? No way, that's awesome. Wait a minute, folks! It shouldn't have been a secret. It shouldn't have been so so uh, so such a crazy thought. That's really it's a shame. is what it is. We don't need to be undercover Christians when we live in a free society. We don't need to be undercover Christians. Period. So many people know so very little about the Savior. They knew enough to be saved, but they did not diligently add to their faith virtue, excellence according to their purpose, capturing their heart for Christ. And they did not add to their virtue that excellence. They had not add knowledge, informing their heart about Christ. First Corinthians in chapter 1, verse 24 says. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. To know Christ is to know the wisdom of God. He is wisdom. There's no no true wisdom that doesn't come from Christ. Job 23.12 says, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips, I've esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Wow. Do we esteem the words of his mouth more than our necessary food? If we haven't eaten today, we're going to eat. Some of us have big plans for about 12 o'clock this afternoon, 1230 maybe. We should have plans every morning to feed on his word. James 1.22 says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. <clears throat> we need to know Christ. We need to know His word. And we need to know how to obey His word. It's not just to hear it. It's not just to read it. It is to know that He is talking to me. He is telling me something. This is a letter from Him to me, and now I've got to go away with, what do you want me to do? The Word of God needs to motivate to action. We didn't just come here today because we needed to fill time in a slot. We came here today to worship Him. We came here to serve and encourage others. We came to hear from His Word, apply His Word, and walk out changed, and ready to make changes. I think sometimes we forget that. Some of us are so service-oriented. We're like Martha, covered about much serving, and we need to sit at Jesus' feet like Mary and recognize that he loves it, but we just take time to soak in to him and to worship him good to serve but it's good to sit be diligent to inform your heart about christ and you won't have to after a while you you won't have to um i'll put it this way it's not like you have to go look everything up you begin to just know how he thinks It's kind of like my wife and i i pretty much know what she's going to order at the restaurant and she pretty much knows what i'm going to order I I know how she's going to respond in certain situations. And I'll say, oh boy, I better be careful how I break this to her because I know that she's, you know, and, and same thing. We know each other. We know how we're going to respond because we spend time, spend time with Jesus, spend time in his word and your heart will begin to just have the heart of Christ. You'll have the mind of Christ. Be diligent to develop the skills necessary to grow in knowledge of him through his word and to serve others knowing how to apply his word it takes time but you can get there add to your faith virtue excellence and fulfilling your purpose add to your virtue knowledge the knowledge which christ informs of christ which informs our daily choices are you growing in knowing him let's go to the second one or i guess it's the third temperance so we had virtue which is capturing the heart for Christ, knowledge, which is informing the heart about Christ, and then temperance. Temperance would deal with training the heart. So we had capturing the heart, informing the heart, and now training the heart. Temperance is self-control, to be contained, to exercise restraint. The idea is to take hold of, or to grip. So might say, get a grip! Okay, that's this idea. Get a grip on this situation. Specifically related to various appetites or pleasures. It's interesting, so we have this word, temperance. Right after that, we're gonna have the word patience, and Lord willing, we'll get to that next time. Temperance is being able to deal with pleasures patience is the ability to deal with that's that which is not pleasurable we need help with both a lot of us don't think we need any problem with the pleasures (laughs) but i need i I need i need help with that which is not pleasurable no you need help with both temperance is going to give us help with that which is pleasurable you know the bible tells us in proverbs 28 says that he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Your heart is the most deceitful thing, Jeremiah told us. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, try the reins. He's the only one that can try and test and and see through our heart. The truth of the matter is, much of our lives we spend self-deceived by our hearts. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. Everybody else knows you're bitter. I'm not upset. I'm not upset. I'm not. I just get emotional sometimes. It's my allergies. And we're the only one deceived, you know. Or I'm not in love with them. And everybody else is like, "Uh, yes, you are. Okay, the heart has a way of convincing us and we've got to be able to train our heart. Every Hollywood movie has the same theme, it seems like, follow your heart. That's got to be the theme of every Disney movie at least. There's a lot of themes of Disney movies these days and uh, very little biblical But if you follow your heart, the idea is you're going to be free and happy and the wind in your hair and a skip in your step and life will be great. And, uh, you know, anybody who tries to hold you back, like parents, they're just out of touch and they don't care about you. They've just spent tens of thousands of dollars on you and there'll be tens of thousands of dollars more coming. And they pray for you and they do everything for you, but they're trying to destroy your life because they won't let you follow your heart. You know, the heart is is that which leads us into emotional living. And if you are living by your feelings and living by your emotions, I can tell you this, you are unstable. It's at the root of double-mindedness. Single mindedness is just locking into the Word of God, <clears throat> the wisdom of God. Double mindedness adds to that how I feel and what I want, what my heart wants. Temperance is going to help us as we cultivate this, as we capture our heart for Christ, that's virtue, inform our hearts about Christ, that's knowledge. Then we can train our heart in the service of Christ, that's temperance. Our knowledge, out of a knowledge of who Christ is, as we are obediently conformed more and more into his image, we learn to develop temperance. Let me tell you, true knowledge of Christ will lead to restraint, not to license. So we see that self control, specifically related, related to appetites. We have all kinds of appetites, God given appetites, appetites for food, appetites for pleasure. Sexual appetites, these things are God-given, but they must be pursued in a biblical manner. And uh, to, to, to do otherwise is destructive. You know, God wants us to experience pleasure. He says, at my right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. He says, taste and see that I am good. And yet, anything that we do in excess can be terrible. You know, someone who has a, you know, just no temperance in regards to pleasure may become a drug addict, may become a sex addict, may become an alcoholic, uh, may become very, very unhealthy with, with one's own uh, uh, weight and so forth because we take something God gave us and then take it to excess. Well, you might say, well, why would God give me something good and not let me just gorge myself in it? (laughs) Because he wants you to first and foremost be totally uh, plugged into your relationship with him. He didn't give you a pleasure so that you wouldn't need him. So you would push away from his table. Brother Berg writes in his book, and by the way, I'll mention it again, this book is going to go into a deep dive, the Essential Virtues by Jim Berg. It's a deep dive on these seven virtues if you want to just look more into that. Brother Berg, Brother Berg writes, the Christian who is truly seeing the excellencies of Christ in the Word will be humbled by his own inadequacy to produce these qualities on his own. He knows he needs Spirit-empowered help to row against the current of his own sinful heart. Sometimes when we talk about temperance and self-control, some Christians bristle. Oh, self-control, we can't talk about that. It's got to be spirit control. Uh, folks, the spirit is the one who enables self-control. We, it's not one or the other. There is no true self-control without the spirit's enablement. As Brother Berg points out in his book, you can be lost without the spirit, without life, And you can want something so bad, you can have self-control in an area. Look at the athletes today. Some of these athletes, what they accomplish is crazy. A mile has been run in three minutes, some odd seconds now. Uh, Right? Did I have that right? The four-minute mile got broke a long time ago. And, you know, what what people do, what the extremes they go to, with the self-denial for a purpose, uh, you can do that without the Holy Spirit. Well, we're talking about spiritual things and we're talking about things that uh, we need his grace to accomplish. So we need to tap into the Holy Spirit and, and his empowerment to help us, as Brother Berg says, row against the current of our own sinful heart. So don't react to temperance as though it's, uh, it's just pull yourself up by the bootstraps. No, it's not. You're going to have to, in order to develop temperance, you're going to have to tap into the Holy Spirit's power. So temperance, we need it. Why? Well, a couple of verses here. Proverbs 16, 32 says, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. Another proverb, verse 25, 28, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Yeah, you see, someone who does not have rule over their spirit, in other words, they're without temperance, they are just a time bomb ready to blow. If you have no rule over your spirit, if you have no temperance, you're able to be walked right over. You have no walls. You're going to follow this, follow that, to your own destruction. 1 Corinthians 9 says this, Know ye not, They which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run, that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. So uh, what is he saying? If you're an athlete and you're striving to master this race that you're running, you're going to be temperate in all things. You can't eat what you want. You can't do what you want. You have to lock in to get every ounce of energy in a given direction to accomplish the prize. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, the athlete. It's a corruptible crown, it's not going anywhere. But we, an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. So fight I, but not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Here was a man who understood he had not reached this plane where he could no longer be tempted. He had not achieved some spiritual solstice where now he just walks on clouds, you know, and everything's good and he could never fall. No, if anything, he understood that he had come to a place in his life where he was more of a target there was a bigger battle. The temptations were looming larger and he needed to be more vigilant and more purposeful than he had ever been before. He needed to be more engaged in the battle at at the end than he had to be engaged at the beginning. And so he says, I don't run uncertainly. In other words, the race I'm running, I know where I'm going. I've got a clearly marked course. And I have a pace, and we're headed there. I'm fighting, but not beating the air. There's no shadow boxing. I have my enemy. I know who he is, and I'm fighting that enemy. And he says, I know the propensities of my flesh and my heart. And so I keep it under and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul knew what Peter was writing about. The necessity for self-denial, for temperate behavior. And again, as I mentioned before, this is not just something you work up on your own. This is something that you get from the Spirit. Paul told us all about that in Galatians and Ephesians. Be not drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, right? You have to have Uh, be looking to him for grace and strength, but but necessarily so, we too must keep under our body and bring it into subjection lest that by any means when we have preached to others, we also would become castaways. I think many of us have bought the lie that uh, the flesh just has to be fed a little bit. And we have not allowed God to re, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Uh, just uh, redo, if you will, our tastes, recultivate, recultivate our tastes. There are things that I eat today that I I did not eat as a kid. I hated them as a kid. I like them now. God can change your, or you can change your tastes for things, and so it is spiritually. You might think to yourself, I cannot imagine my life without this. But the Lord says, I can. And I'd like to help you understand just what your life could be like without that. I'd like you to know that as as good as you think that tastes, it doesn't taste as good as what I've got for you. That's where faith and unbelief come in. Unbelief says, not in a million years. I tell my kids, one day you guys could like cilantro. (laughs) Mom and I didn't like it either. But now, what is Mexican food without cilantro? Right? Anybody in here? Somebody? Maybe not? Okay, (laughs) all right. Uh, Maybe a bad illustration. The kids are like, not having it. No, that's, just, that's not going to change. That's always going to be yuck or whatever. And there's things like that with the Lord where we're just, we're so used to the, the things, the streams that we live in and, and where we source our pleasures comes down to faith versus unbelief. That we can be satisfied with something from Him. Far more sufficiently than something that we cooked up for ourselves. i keep under my body and bring it into subjection lest that by any means when i have preached to others i myself should be a castaway some of us are so easy on our body keep under your body and bring it into subjection paul that wouldn't go in ann arbor That wouldn't go around here. What happened to me time? What happened to take five? You know, what happened to just love yourself? I think the most loving thing you can do for yourself is to keep under your body and bring it into subjection. To who? To him, to the Lord Jesus, to his word. Lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. I deserve this, I deserve that. We deserve nothing but destruction. As I've mentioned before, every mercy drop, every good thing from God, every blessing is not deserved. It ought to humble us and cause us to be filled with praise, but we are so entitled to we pamper ourselves at work, we pamper ourselves at home, we pamper ourselves at play, we pamper ourselves all day long, and we wonder why we cannot break free from certain vices. It's because we have fundamentally the wrong view of this shell that we're living in and how we're to be associated with it. Everything is pampered. When it's supposed to be, no, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. You know what's amazing to me is I see guys online who are not saved and yet they have figured this out really well. There's a guy I'd like to give his name, but I won't uh, just... It doesn't matter, you don't need the name. But um, I would like to watch more of his videos, but I can't stand his language. And he just fills the air with his language. He's an inspirational guy, former Navy SEAL. Some of you will know who I'm talking about just with this description. Former Navy SEAL, and he has written books. He's a, he's a, a popular speaker. YouTube videos all over the internet. And the guy started out, I think, oh, three, four hundred pounds, and then trimmed all of that, went to the Navy SEALs, and the guy is just made out of cast iron. And he beats himself into submission every day. I don't know how many thousand pull-ups he did in one day. Thousands of pull-ups in one day. uh, he, he's just all about training the mind and training the body and all of this. Unfortunately, from everything I can tell, he does it for an, a corruptible crown. I don't see anything of God. I don't see anything of Christ. I don't see any anything there that's not just self-effort. But what's sad to me is how someone maybe like him, not going to say him, but someone like him will discipline themselves so they can live here for a couple extra years. And we have a life ahead of us that is eternal. And yet many of us live so undisciplined in these years, these precious years that God has given us. There ought to be discipline among God's people. There ought to be a submission to His word and His will. There ought to be this diligence to keep ourselves under and bring ourselves into subjection. We have such a higher purpose. It is, expe- it is expected that we would, through submission to God, God's will through his word, live temperate lifestyles. Excesses are what Satan uses to draw us away. Just a couple of these and we'll be done. 1 Corinthians six twelve: 12, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for, for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. You see, we sometimes argue about, well, is this right or is this wrong? Or what about this, preacher, what about that? Just use this test. Are you brought under its power? That could be Facebook. That could be money. That could be entertainment. That could be whatever. I will not be brought under the power of any. I am under the power of the Lord Jesus. I serve no other masters. Verse 23 of chapter 10 All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. So there's two, two, two uh, tests. Am I under its power? If the answer is yes, then I lost my biblical right to have that thing. Second test, is it edifying me? Is it building me and others up? The answer is no. I probably don't need that either. There's only so many minutes in a day. There's only so much time that we have. God help us with how we spend it. We oftentimes ask the wrong questions. Christians will come to me all the time, especially teenagers. Well, is it wrong? Is it wrong? It's funny how Christians don't want rules, but when we want to do what we want to do, we go to rules. That's exactly what we do. I was a Christian school principal for one year, I know. <laughs> principal, there's too many rules in this school. There's a rule for this, a rule for that, rules for this, rules, rules, rules. I know, you kids are bad. <laughs> what are we going to do? And then, well, hey, what about this? Hey, where's the rule? Where's the rule? I was right between, right between them. What we want oftentimes is it's just to know that we didn't break a rule. Well, that, this verse takes us deeper. These two verses take us deeper. It might be, quote, unquote, lawful. You might not have broken a rule, but is it expedient? Are you under its power? Are you being edified? Are others being edified? Temperance is willing to say, I don't need that, because I got somewhere else I'm going. I've got something someone else I'm pleasing. I've got a purpose that is greater. The whole if-it-feels-good-do-it mentality is not of the Lord. Jim Berger says this, natural desires must be gratified only within scriptural boundaries, and sinful desires must be denied entirely. This is true. Why? Because we have a higher calling, we serve a risen Savior, and we have faith that He knows what is best until we follow. Are you diligent to develop discipline and self-control in your life? Pray, ask God, ask the Spirit of God to give you the strength, to give you the grace to make these decisions of faith. How do you get the Holy Spirit involved in this process? It's the same way you get grace involved in any process. Steps of faith is our life. Is your life characterized by temperance? And what about this matter of who is in charge? Your heart, your passions, your ambitions, or the Christ that we serve? Lord, I pray that you would help us to add to our faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance. Help us to see our responsibility to be diligent in this process of spiritual growth. I pray, Lord, that we would look to your spirit for the grace necessary, the strength, the power to do what you've called us to do. Help us, I pray. Heads about and eyes closed. Let's take a moment while the piano plays softly. Would you talk to the Lord about this matter in your life? Right now, would you yield to him? Yield your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto Him, which is your reasonable service. Would you ask God for the strength to pursue these virtues the knowledge that informs the heart, and the temperance that trains the heart? Do you know Him? If you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, I'd love to talk to you about that after the service. Your relationship starts at the cross and the empty tomb. And knowing that He died and rose again for your sins. Well, I would love to share the gospel with you if you have time after the service. Stand to our feet for closing word of prayer. Tonight, look forward to being back at 6, if you're able to make it, for our life groups, our kids' ministries, patch clubs. And this is an opportunity for us to talk on a more practical level. How do we apply these truths to our lives? Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have to be in your house today. Lord, dismiss us with your blessing and help us, Lord, to take these truths with us and chew on them and further apply them. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to pursue the knowledge and the temperance that needed to, need to be added to our faith that we might grow in our spiritual maturity and effectiveness, our usefulness for you. I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.